Hello and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and I'm currently in the grueling process of migrating all of these chats, there's nearly 200 of them, to a brand new YouTube account focused solely on this podcast. Previously, I was just uploading them to my personal account because I didn't think I was gonna do this podcast for very long. But here we are five years later, so I decided it's time to finally make an Animation Industry Podcast YouTube account. So if you listen to podcasts on YouTube, go and... Um, Give, give it a sub maybe. This chat is with Liam Gilby, and if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you'll recognize him from episode 67 back in May 2020. Back then, Liam had just finished animation school and was starting an animation studio with a few of his friends. They were all roommates in the same house even together, and they all had day jobs. I believe Liam was working at a bowling alley to help kick things off the ground. So here we are nearly three years later with an update. In this chat, Liam, who is a director of the animation studio Cut the Mustard, which is based in Norwich, UK, is going to share everything that's happened since we last chatted. Where the studio's at today, how it got there, and where it's going. So without further ado, let's jump in. Liam, hello. How are hello. you? I'm good. I'm good. So this is a big update. We chatted two years ago in March 2020. And uh, well, I don't know if we chatted in March 2020. That's just when I posted our episode because you know how these things go. But it's been two years. <clears throat> so I'm excited to find out, you know, at the time you were a very recent grad from what Manchester University from the animation? Uh, Norwich University. Norwich, Norwich, University. Norwich, sorry. Norwich University right. and animation program. You're starting a studio because the you got a space in the school to like have a working space and you like collaborated with your friends and ended up starting an animation studio. Here we are two years later. You're going to tell me all about how it's gone. You still have your studio. But first, oh, you know, I was thinking Manchester because the Manchester Film Festival. Yes. Um, but first, you just pitched something at the Manchester Film Festival on the spot. How did tell me about that experience? What did you pitch? Uh, so I pitched for a, a feature film, which uh, is uh, probably not the advice thing to do straight out of the gate. But I had written something uh, I've written. Oh God, in my spare time to do with Cut the Mustard, I, I, I write a good chunk of their stuff if, if I could sometimes we'll have clients that want me to write for them or whatnot and I'll write some stuff and I've always wanted to go into writing as kind of my personal direction so I've written a, a number of kind of 11 minute pilots 22 minute pilots uh and then this feature film um and uh it was at the time what I thought was the strongest thing we had um and I got the chance to pitch for it which is really exciting um I definitely think the next kind of aside from or or within our company my personal ambition is very much to continue to pitch uh, time and time again you know how these things yeah. are they're going to take hundreds of attempts i i hope to get a hundred unsuccessful pitches that's my that's my aim people say to aim for unsuccessful pitches because then rather than aim for one successful pitch i want to fail a hundred times um and i think that for a well, you know, it's too early to know with with what I pitched uh, to the BBC. I think I'm allowed to say that I pitched to the BBC. Um, uh, that it went pretty well. Whether something will come of it, uh, I'm not sure. But um, it was really, really cool to get in front of people and and just explain a story that you'd written that you were really passionate in and you because you wrote the story and because you came up with the character designs, you know all the answers. That's the fun part. You know, yeah. uh, people. You know, as a small business and as a new business, we might not always know everything about 
business, but I definitely know about my own films and my own projects and stuff like that. And being able to have somebody try and poke holes and ask questions about who it's for and what it's made for and thematically what it's about, and then be able to hit back time and time again with every single answer. That's an exciting prospect to me because you know it, it all came from here so that it really I do have all the answers which is a very rare situation where anybody can say oh I, I have all the answers I'm impressed so okay first of all like a hundred failed pitches like Stephen King a hundred failed like rejections for one pitch or I would like make to, 100 pitches and and have one I would like to, I would like to meet 100 pitches oh my goodness general um what happens of them i don't know uh i'm current i mean right now one is the the number if i can go to more animation festivals across uh the uk across europe like we went to annecy a few years back um or just you know anywhere really anyone that will listen yeah. um i've got enough stories to to whether it's the same one 100 times or whether it's 100 different ones it doesn't matter i, I feel like i've got enough content to to really kind of wow that's that's like that's like mind blowing to me because I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm going to put all my effort into like three strong pitches that I absolutely believe in. But yeah, your, yeah, yeah. your strategy is like, I have so many stories. It just, it just one will take off and it's okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> obviously if somebody happens to like one, so I got some really good feedback from Manchester, I will continue to push down that Avenue until yeah. there is nothing more to give and then move on essentially. Man, pitching um, is such a, an interesting thing because you're the only advocate for it and you just have to like rally other people to like it and if you rally enough like then it just happens i guess it's crazy um okay so, <laughs> i have a lot of questions just based on what you said so far <laughs> so you had a fully so you were just at the first of all why were you at the festival just as an attendee or did you did you attend as you know your studio cut the mustard no so so the whole studio went but we were all attendees um i don't think we're quite uh uh influential enough to be to get invited to the industry days just yet but um gotcha. so you didn't have yeah. a you didn't have a booth you weren't recruiting you're just well, like we uh, want to check out some cool animation and talk to yeah people. we just wanted to see some films really um nice. you know as i discussed uh, in the last call and 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 we had set up out of out of university we just graduated um and then COVID hit uh, our nice new office that was owned by the uni we were kicked out of because they needed more space for more computers so we all worked from home for ages so we've very much uh, been quite isolated from the rest of the animation community in person at least um, and then in the last year we really really tried to open that up um, for instance in 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 Norwich uh, there's seven or eight different animation studios all really small ones by kind of worldwide comparisons but they do like a monthly meetup and we go to all of those we meet all of the animators and then the other objective was to go to a festival or festivals plural um and yeah manchester was where we went it is probably the biggest one in the uk i would say um i don't know if there's i'm trying to think if there's any bigger i think it's the biggest one in the uk um at least for I would say for younger people to go to because a lot of people get recruited there. Um, yeah, and then we went there. Um, I had on a whim applied to pitch for something and I hadn't heard back yes or no either way. So I presumed it was a no because I, I was supposed to be given a time slot. Um, I go there and they said, you are pitching. So they just so, walk up to you and they're like, hey, glad you came. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I just, I just went. To <laughs> so you, to... you had prepared something. It wasn't. I, just... I, oh, I had prepared something. I had not prepared the right amount of stuff. I was told I was given fifteen minutes. I was actually given five, um, and I did, <laughs> I did manage to wrestle fifteen minutes in the end by just chatting and but saying. Just talking. Yeah, the person's like, they, I thought we had five minutes, but yeah, I don't know how to they, cut off this conversation. Until they physically made me leave, which um, I, I, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I got to pitch to the BBC. I got to pitch to Timeless Films, who do a lot of uh, Sky's original uh, filmmaking. They do a lot of distribution as well, which is really interesting to me because, you know, I, I, I'd very much consider myself, I don't really like this phrase, but a jack of all trades because of the running a business and because of wanting to get into writing and directing and because we cover all aspects of the business as animators and you know character designers storyboarders editors whatever compositors and also knowing like the production the finance the all of that logistical side of things it does make me relatively confident in pitching type scenarios because somebody asks about you know you know if they ask how much it's going to cost i'm not going to be able to pull out a, a, a number out of thin air but we have enough of the knowledge to be able to scale up the tiny films that we do now that we're very proud of and are very great but uh aren't feature length or even tv length in quality or in length or in style but i am able to use the skill set that i have to kind of extrapolate those numbers and extrapolate that yeah. time out of what we already have it's a good blueprint for, for for creating something like that i think totally was this your was this your first pitch ever yes yeah yeah um yeah, I didn't actually know how it was going to be. Um, I wasn't told whether it was going to be in front of a big group of people or just a few. It was just in front of the investors themselves. But uh, I, I would have been fine either way. I, I feel like there's a kind of special little rule in my head that I would feel quite nervous to speak in front of a large group of people. But if it's about something that I'm so deeply passionate about, I'd be able to tell anybody and, and their mum, you know, whatever, because it's something I believe in. It's something I know in, um, like the back of my hand, really. Nice, nice. Okay, um, question for you, because, you know, I've pitched a lot. And something that I've always thought about is, like, I'm just coming as uh, a random Joe Blow. Like, the studio has no idea who I am. Uh, I don't really have any big credits to my name. I'm not super experienced in the industry. Like, the podcast is, like, the biggest credit to my name right now, I guess. So I'm just like, hi, it's me. I have a cool idea. Buy it, please. Uh, but like, I've always thought about like, what if I had, um, like, if I came and I was like, you know, I'm backed by a whole production company with this idea. Um, like, like, what is the what is do you have increased merit? when you're like, hi, you know, I'm a representative of the studio and, and we've come up with, if you're pitching it that way, and you know, this is a feature film idea we're working on, we're looking for investors. Is that way more impressive uh, to like the BBC, for instance, when they're like, oh, okay, we're talking to Liam from Cut the Mustard. And so this is an idea that has a studio backing already. Like this is, mm -hmm. this has more merit as an idea versus like Liam off the street. <laughs> <laughs> off the street. I, I, Yes, uh, that that's a fascinating question. I could go into that deeply, but um, uh, of of the very short time that I had for feedback with these people, um, I was given a kind of range of feedback. First of all, um, the way that people pitch for feature films and the way that people pitch for TV seem to be kind of different in different worlds. Almost, um, it was very much I, I pitched as a 
for myself with the backing of Cut the Mustard. Um, and, you know, they, I got a range of feedback on how that could work. Do I want to sell the script? Just do I want to sell it and then just see it into the world? Um, do I want to write and direct it and find a production team distributor for it? Or do I want to back myself with the production team? And obviously right now there's four of us. We did expand to six of us uh, a while back and I'll, I'll talk about that later. But um, obviously that's still too small a number to really run a, a you know a TV show or a feature film or anything. Oh. We'd have to double, triple in size before that would even become a possibility. But there is a kind of... Uh, they were impressed by the fact that there was a production team behind that who could potentially become, you know, the figureheads of uh, this idea. Somebody, a team that's been kind of incubating this idea for a while has the potential to become, you know, the head of storyboarding, the head of animation, the head of character design, whatever, and then trickle down that information to hire quicker rather than sell that to a team. But all of those things had pros and cons to them. You know, uh, we still are shortly after forming you know three years is, is a long time but in terms of business it's not that long they still make a pretty humble living and they said to you well you can sell it for hundred thousand pounds but that's not going to be very good for your career but to me hundred thousand pounds is like you know it's, that's winning the lottery of course so um you know it depends on context and, and situation um and for me as well they asked um you know, would you be interested in writing and directing? And obviously the answer to any animator is yes, but um, I definitely think that my skill set is stronger in writing than it is in directing. Yeah. Um, I usually do a lot of the mainline animation rather than a lot of the pre-production stuff uh, at work. Obviously we have a significant benefit or drawback, depending on how you see it, uh, at Cut the Mustard in that because we're small, I get to dip my toes in every single part of the animation pipeline, every single part of the kind of production side, the administrative side, the business side, and the creative side all the time, simultaneously all day, every day, um, which can be either a, a dream or a nightmare, depending on who you are and who you ask. But yeah, I guess it's almost an impossible question to ask. Uh, ask me when I've when I've got <laughs> hundred projections. Um, and then, and then I'll be able to tell you slightly better. Their, their number one uh, advice perhaps was uh, to take my feature film and edit it into a TV series, which was very interesting. And it wasn't because mm. of the story that I told, because I really, really believe in the, uh, the feature film script that I've written, but because I was pitching it as 2D. And the advice I got from both teams was uh, that if you're pitching a feature film pitch in 3D and if you're pitching a, a TV series pitch in 2D because I pitched it like Toon Boom rigged you know Rick and Morty Bojack Horseman kind of totally. you know, levels of animation yeah. with kind of some flares but very much people moving talking action and then repeat um, which is very interesting I think it's a rather simplified view of the industry but I think that the point that they were trying to get across is if you are a newcomer, you stick within the simplified boundaries of what is kind of acceptable, what's allowed. Yeah, what's yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely interesting to me because, you know, feature films are animated feature films. 3D is where it's at, but there is yeah. so much 2D that you don't really, that isn't like mainstream. You know, there's, there's feature films that are in 2D that are going yes. to straight to streaming like Netflix mm -hmm. or whatnot. So, you know, I have... From pitching, I always have thoughts on advice like that. Like, I personally believe that you should 
um, you know, create a story for a medium or like choose the medium and have a reason behind it. So if you know your story, there's a reason that it's 2D and Toon Boom, I think you should stick with that. But if you're like, this story is transferable, then I think going to 3D is fine. Um, You know, it was really interesting. The the one uh, question that really threw me off, and I'm not very thrown off by a lot of questions, is they said to me, why is it a movie rather than a show? And to me, that was like, uh, it just, I you know, structurally, the story fit better as a movie. But there's kind of, at least I haven't discovered it yet. Uh, there's not really an eloquent way to just say it's it, it fits better. But um, I definitely think in terms of that's the one question that threw me off for sure. Um, yeah. I spoke to a couple of the panelists beforehand and it was really interesting to speak to them. I spoke to a guy called JP, who's the director of uh, the film Ron's Gone Wrong, which is a, a 3D animated feature that came out, I think, 2021. It's uh, Locksmith's and Dean first feature film. Um, and uh, yeah, I went and spoke to, to him at the pub um, and it was really interesting to hear what they wanted pitched and what they thought was good, especially as they had successfully pitched a film to, I believe, Fox at the time um, before the Disney merger and they, they had made it under that banner. Um, that was very much character, character, character. You know, we don't care you know, what happens in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. We just want to know where they start and where they stop. You know, he said to me um, that, look at Ratatouille, you know, you've got this rat and he starts the movie stealing um, and stealing cookbooks and ingredients from from the bins. And then he ends as owning his own, you know, restaurant and he's a professional chef. And I, I guess that is the part they wanted to know is this set of characters that I or anybody pitching had invented um why should you care and why does this story define them why have you chosen to start where you start why have you chosen to finish where you finish whether it's a tv show or whatever um that is slightly different when it comes to like something like what we talk about like adventure time because they very much are static characters but there's still you know inclinations of an arc in there whether it's more subtle or whether it's more obvious is kind of up to the type of show really yeah, I love the pitch you gave for Ratatouille. It's a rat stealing cookbooks from the trash and he ends up owning his own restaurant. Yeah. Like, that's just so simple. And it's, yeah. uh, from my experience in pitching, what you said is so true. You know, the people who are making the financial decisions and development decisions, they're not typically creative. So they, you know, the art style, the the nuances of the world, the jokes, like all that stuff, they're more, they're way more interested in character because that's what they know and that's what they see as being successful. So um you know start with character is always like the biggest advice and and knowing you know why this story changes your character is is like pivotal to your pitch i think you also brought up something very interesting about the pitching experience that i've experienced as well it's mm-hmm. half about you know what is this idea and it's half about who you are and where do you see yourself in the role like it, you, like when i started pitching and people were like oh do you want to direct this do you want to show on this like my answer to all that was like, yeah, but like, had I really thought about like where my skill set lies? Am I really an amazing writer? And am I am I really going to like write this series or am I going to rely on a team of writers and say, you know, that, that's not my strength. I'd love to work with somebody who's experienced in that. I'm more of like the director. Or I'm more of the creative development or I'm more of actually just an animator. Like those are all super interesting and important things to think about when you're pitching, too, because 
the idea like gets you uh, in the door, I guess, or just interest. And then it's like who you are and what you brings personally. Like, are you just going to sell this idea to us and we'll take it and be like, great, here's your, here's your million dollars, your hundred thousand dollars. Goodbye. <laughs> Versus like, oh, you are tied to this pitch. Who are you? Like, how do you, like, I don't know who you are, but like you somehow you're directing this show for the studio, like, you know? <laughs> So wow, what a uh, what an interesting experience! Congratulations on your first pitch. I think that's fantastic that you wrangled so much information out of so many people in such a short oh, time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I very much overstayed my welcome in the pitch, but I was going to take every piece of knowledge possible from the. You're like, hello, sit down. It's me. Yeah. We're going to yeah. talk. To this. So, well, luckily, I had gone to go find the panel the day before anyway. But once I found out, I was kind of on a mad rush to go. There was like a a, a social event uh, at a nearby bar, and I went and found them. Um, and luckily, because it's an animation social event, it's it's uh, acceptable for me to uh, approach other animators and ask for advice um, under really? any other circumstances. Perhaps not, but um, yeah, it was it was it was good to be able to get as much information as possible because I intend on doing this pretty regularly for the next whoever many years of my life. Um, and I want to do it as best as possible. Yeah. Let me ask you this because like, you know, I just attended an animation conference in Toronto a couple of weeks ago. And like, even though I run this podcast, I talk to people all the time. I still find it intimidating and nerve wracking to like talk to people in person and put myself out there and be like, hi, I'm Terry. Now I got to talk about something. And you know, I like, how do you, go from, oh, I'm watching some cute films at an animation festival to, oh my goodness, now I'm pushing myself to pitch and I have to get ready for this in five minutes and like, you know, do a good job. And and like, because a lot of the times animators are introverted and feel nervous yes. about this stuff. So how did you mentally get in that space where you felt comfortable, you know, being confident? So... God, that's a big question. Uh, animators definitely are introverts. So I could tell you that from the social drinking events that we had at. Uh, <laughs> like nobody's talking. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to find people to speak to, but um, no, I found very nice people to speak to. But I, I guess in terms of like public speaking or stuff like that, everybody is going to care if it's good and if you're passionate about it and if you sell it right. And if you fail, no one is going to care. That's always the bit that kind of holds me onto it. And I guess, uh, you know, previously in a couple of years ago when we had the talk we talked about mental health and I'd done a couple of mental health talks at uni and stuff like that after we graduated and very much in terms of public speaking which I found you know everybody gets a little bit nervous but I've found okay generally um is no if you mess up nobody cares that's that's the number one thing like if yeah. you went and worst pitch of all time the only thing you can take is the advice I very much remember and this is animation adjacent but um I was part of my school's debate team. I wasn't, it wasn't exactly a choice, but I was made to be on the debate team. Um, and I went and did this terrible- You weren't good at debating about being I, on the debate team beforehand? Yeah, I, I didn't, no, I didn't debate my way off of the debate team, unfortunately. But yeah, we did this, we did this debate at like a local court and it was terrible. I did absolutely awful. I, I froze and I, you know, all of my words, I couldn't get out properly. And I kind of panicked. And then at the end, the this guy who was like judging the event was like he like pointed at me and was like oh you did really terribly today and it made me feel awful but then the next week I was talking about it with my friends at school and none of them remembered and that's always the feeling that I've held on to like no one the only one that ever holds on to it is you yeah. um so like I'd love to go and 
get up on stage and pitch my ideas wholeheartedly with complete sincerity and tell the jokes that I think are funny. And if nobody laughs, the, the only one that can learn from that is me. Everybody else is going to forget a bad joke or, a, or a, an idea that didn't work or somebody that was too enthusiastic or not enthusiastic enough. All I can do is just go home the next week. Everybody's forgot. I'll do the same again, but better. Um, and that that's kind of the, the, the drive, isn't it? That's the yeah, yeah I guess what a excited. what a nightmare you are nervous in front of everybody you personally know you did a bad job and then the judge at the end yeah. in front of yeah. everybody points at you and said you did terribly yeah. <laughs> thank goodness nobody remembered otherwise you yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's thank literally God. like a nightmare oh my goodness yeah, but it, yeah. I, I like that mentality that you you know you use that experience to learn from it'd be like nobody's going to remember this the only person that's going to improve is me and i think yeah. you know like doing this a hundred times myself it, i don't feel like it like all of my pitches i still get nervous beforehand but i just i also kind of have the same mentality like it's only 15 minutes just get through it you know yeah. I, I did okay last time they seem to la laugh at this thing they didn't remember this thing like you know just kind of mentally just pushing yourself to to experience this to build this you know like hardened hardened personality I don't know. yes <laughs> wow Absolutely. oh my goodness what an experience thanks for sharing all your pitching stuff and you know i hope this is pitch number one you don't have to go to 100 and it's successful that would be amazing so let's talk about you know cut the mustard so just to give some background you graduated you got a co-working space at school to start the studio. COVID hit, school canceled your space. And then you yeah. and a small group of friends were living in the same house together, I believe. Yes. And uh, using animation jobs to pay the rent and starting a studio together. So fast yeah. forward two years, you're still doing this. Explain your situation now. Like what is, take a snapshot of Cut the Mustard right now. Are you still all living in the same house? Is it still... We are not all still living in the same house thank goodness that's uh but it, it's um getting getting out of working working from home is one one thing taking the phrase working from home quite literally is is another um we, we moved into another studio another office last october and we've been there well over a year now and it's beautiful it's really nice we've got a great look over the city um and it's bigger so we've managed to have enough space for potential extra people yeah. um when covid uh lockdowns were going away the uk had some funding for something called kickstart which was um to get six months paid for uh for a number of employees to come and work for you basically to get people back into work after covid um so we received funding for two people for six months wow. um i had to battle with the government endlessly on it to get us done they said it would take three weeks to apply it took us nine months to get through the process i had to contact them like every day um but in january this year we picked up george and kai who are two of our new employees um who have on and off stuck around uh with us both fantastic amazing artists um great great parts of the team it's really nice to have other employees as well i think the four of us at cut the mustard had begun to know each other so well that some days we just wouldn't talk to each other we've all become like some sort of weird hive mind so it was definitely nice to um have new not just new faces and new conversation but it was amazing to have new styles because uh as a company we've very much not tied down 
ourselves to like a company style by design. Um, it's really fun, certainly difficult, and perhaps we would have an easier time if we did just commit to the same thing every time. But that's yeah. not, and that's not animation. That's not as 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 we see it. Um, obviously, we have our specialties, and we have things that we're more likely to do than something else. But <laughs> to be able to expand our pool of styles that we can offer is really, really cool because it means often we'll play different roles in different projects on the team. So if you know we got George on the team and uh, one of the clients really, really liked his stuff, he would be project leading that rather than some sort of traditional hierarchy, which obviously has its own benefits, um, but being able to kind of lead through art rather than through, a lead through art and lead through skill set rather than leading through a more rigid system. It leaves yeah. us a lot of kind of creativity to play around with new stuff and make new films and make new. new so it sounds, it sounds like you're more of a collaborative team rather than like a structured business where you have the owner and the studio director and the art director and then the animators. Yeah. Yeah, 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 uh, definitely. I mean, there's some stuff, especially when it comes to the logistical side of things, there are jobs that people have. Um, but even that side has become looser in the last six months or so. It was definitely like there was a period of time where I would run all communications with everybody. I would be the client communicator um, and, you know, keep everybody in the loop. But it, we, we kind of reached a, a level of critical mass where I couldn't keep up with everybody um and we found that people well people just like people at the end of the day whether you're a a, a big co corporation or a small local business um people like that interpersonal connection so we end up now all of us run production in a our own kind of way um for different projects and we all kind of work around in a kind of it sounds like a mess, but a, a kind of uh, circular system. Yeah. Um, and I think that definitely works, especially for our clients as well. They really like to know that uh, the person you are communicating with in the project like the back of their hand, they are invested in it. They want to see it through all of that stuff. And not that that stuff was never true with me doing all of it, but there was a certain period of time where, because I was doing all of it, um, I you know it's email this speak to that person call with this person you know uh, feedback from that person and then suddenly it all kind of becomes a bit it washes over you a bit it's much nicer to be able to say you know this is what i'm going to be looking after for the next two and a half months and i'm going to see it through in the best way possible for the budget that you've given um and really treat it like it's art rather yeah. than business because it's so so easy to confuse the two and we've very very much been riding the line you know we want to be a successful company we all want to make good money and go home and live in nice houses and drive nice cars or whatever but at the same time it's about having a workload that is sustainable that is inspiring that challenges you that makes you better that yeah. makes you actually turn up in the morning and go to work that's the important stuff as well how many how many people is your studio now how many people you just hired to it's yourself and also so we're back down to four now for christmas um uh four and a half given that we have uh jake who makes all of our music but he's not always around uh he said works on freelance basically um and then at maximum we've been six and a half basically wow. um and depending on freelance projects that happen, um, we might have more or less. We haven't expanded beyond six. So it, it, it will begin to get to kind of logistical nightmare levels at that point, and we'll probably yeah. have to create a bit more 
structure. But right now, for what we do and for what we make, um, I think that makes sense. I don't think there's a plan really to expand dramatically beyond that. If you, I'm pretty sure I said two years ago that I'd love to be a studio that had like 30, 40 people or something. But like, but I think as time goes on, your kind of priorities change. Um, if I was working in TV and if I was working with movies and my pictures were going successfully, then perhaps yes. But right now for what we have, I think that being able to kind of, you know, I come into work every morning and I know what everybody's working on and I'm personally invested in all of it. That feels good for, for me. Yeah. So, so it's not like there's one person who's like in charge of everything and overseeing. It's more like, you know, um, the person whose style I'm just trying to understand because like I know small companies small studios that are four to five to six people as well or even just like one or two people and then they like hire up based on the jobs they get but there you know there's always a very clear art director it's always a very clear like uh you know person that handles all the communication but it it sounds like kind of whoever you're explaining to me whoever's style kind of sells the project they are taking the lead uh you know with client communication with art direction um and like project management is that correct yes yeah to a to a, a, a simplified degree yes yeah um there are obviously skill sets that certain people have above others um so they'll you know there'll be people that tend to do more producing than this or more yeah. you know i'll do a lot of communication still today but i'll very much stick if i can within the projects that i have it's, it's kind of hard to explain i guess i've never really thought about it being a yeah. kind of odd system but, i'm just um, wondering like if you have a repeat client do they always talk to the same person or is it yes. like is that confusing okay because because like part of me is wondering, you know, there's a certain level of prestige, I guess, quote unquote, that, you know, uh, studios or clients kind of look for when hiring a studio, you know, they want like the super fancy, uh, you know, director, they want that like corporate experience, the communication, etc. Have you found that that has uh, led you to get or not get jobs because of how you operate in this kind of like, you know, collaborative, um, you know, kind of like evolving hive, I guess. Um, yeah, I, since since we've become uh, the evolving hive, uh, <laughs> we uh, rename your studio to evolving hive. Yeah, we should, we should. Um, <laughs> since then, we've definitely found we've had more repeat work um, because there's. Uh, somebody had a vision somebody communicated that vision with the client somebody saw it through they knew all the details not that we never didn't know the details but somebody saw it through to the end and kept uh in in touch with that client as a smaller company and to anybody listening that happens to make a company of their own you'll find yourself working for either smaller businesses at the start or you'll find yourself working for local businesses who want to work with somebody close to them, whether you meet them or not. We work for plenty of people around Norfolk here that we never actually meet in person, but they want to work with somebody local just in case. Um, you'll find that a lot of the businesses that you work for are people who are trying to get their own vision off the ground. They're trying to get their own business off the ground. Not all, That's not always the most steady income of hmm. uh work because you don't always know what the client's going to do with the thing you've made and they don't even know where they're going to go um so 
we definitely found it difficult because, you know, in the two years since we've spoken, we've worked for plenty more clients, but almost all of those up to a certain point had been one-time projects only. We had never been on a retainer. We'd never been a repeat client because a lot of these people have an idea. We work with a lot of people that do say crowdfunding or kickstarts. They have that big plan. They want to go out there and maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe it works out and they don't need any future animation because we've accomplished our mission. And we always month by month, week by week have to find new people. Yeah. But when we move to this kind of newer system, having that personal relationship with somebody definitely is something that uh, holds people closer. They have trust in us. They have trust in the process. They have trust in the creative vision because they know that the person they've been paired with is somebody with that same vision or as close as to that vision as they do. And it's helped us keep in line with other people obviously the the easy thing to say would be in a couple of years time perhaps we will be working with uh google or facebook or nike or whatever but they you know in terms of bigger companies that do have a constant stream of work or do have budgets that reflect uh kind of the quality and style and length of the project that they want those companies already have connections with other animation companies totally, so yeah, it's just yeah. uh, uh it's just about patience really it's about uh, being able to utilize the strengths you've got and for us that those interpersonal connections and then the rest of it is just patience just keep yeah. it relentless continue again and again and again until it until it sticks really that's that we said that two years ago we'll say that now i'll say that in two years time still really i have two questions based on what you just said one is what what kind of you know i i believe you were working at a bowling alley when we first Chatted oh, yes. to, to maintain income yep. while starting a studio. Yep. So you've obviously moved out of the co-living space with your other animators. You're, I don't know if you're still working in the bully alley. You have your own space that you're living in now. Um, yep. What did it take to, uh, you know, sustain four to six people just with animation starting as a new company to the point of now like what did it what like how many clients did it like to take like a hundred projects did it take like a couple big ones before you you know just one big one that you landed that enabled you to move here did it take so much work with getting grants from the government like what what was it that enabled you to be in the space you are now with a successful company two years later supporting four people uh wow okay big question um in terms of me uh the answer was blind stupidity i decided Great. to quit my part-time <laughs> job and just go for it um and then the others followed afterwards a more sensible time um but uh for us it was very much um you know i we we do have a sense of rhythm and regular times and even that sense of rhythm includes the times that we don't get a lot of work so for instance around christmas when everybody decides to stop um which we found is a bit of a pattern over the last three years understandably it probably isn't most businesses um but um yeah it just took the right combination of things so for us um and this really really helped with um those interpersonal relationships um one of our employees finn uh made contact with some people at an organization called rewriting extinction who do um comics and art pieces uh in basically against climate change with a bunch of famous artists um 
we worked with them. We continued to work with them relatively regularly, um, and that was for comics, which are really, really small things, but regular payments, which is something that we hadn't always had before. Beforehand, we'd had a quite a lot of, kind of white whale type situations where it was a big chunk of money uh, for a big investment of our time and then perhaps nothing ever again. And we still chase those things because they're either for nonprofit yeah. organizations or for environmental agencies or for the companies we really want to work for, or they're artistically very interesting and unique. And we think we can really mine something technically or creatively out of that. Um, but alongside that work, we've been able to diversify in the types of things that we put out. Um, and the comic stuff is really interesting because we not only worked for rewriting extinction, but then found ourselves working for almost all of the people that had made comics for rewriting extinction. And by uh, Finn being able to mine into that world and into that community, um, he's been able to make his own connections like you would on, you know, LinkedIn or social media or anything as, as something that he's naturally interested in with the comics things you're talking about those are like um like the stuff you've done with like war and peace where you're like animating a comic for yep. social media yep so okay so random question about this um i forget uh, what was the guy's name that um made the connection uh finn finn so when finn is going to look for work he could just be like, oh, I got this for myself and I'm just going to like animate these things by myself because they're like project manageable by myself. But he's going as a representative of Cut the Mustard and bringing in the, the projects to the team. Yes. And then uh, uh, was there a demand for turning static comics into animation or he kind of like pitched this idea and, and they liked it and then that led to more work? A bit of both, I guess. We it, it's um kind of a happy accident, I guess, in, in terms of the demand met the pitch, and we made something nice for somebody once, and then that became making nice for somebody ten times, and then yeah. there was suddenly a demand for much higher levels of stuff. And we've done that with quite a few different businesses and quite a few different models of stuff. So, like for instance, you know the perhaps once we're more established and I could, you know, I could continue to say this for the rest of time really, but um, once we're more established, perhaps there is a, uh, our original business model, which was to make short films for, uh, you know, environmental companies with hand-drawn 2D. Um, perhaps there would be a constant enough stream of that to keep us going forever, but very much these days, it's kind of a bunch of different stuff. There's quite a, few, a lot of stuff we don't showcase as well. We've done some, we do quite a lot of stuff for like DJs, um, and like DJ events that play like projection work in the background. Yeah. That's always really fun. And we have people at the team that really like that culture, really like that kind of animation. So it was interesting for them to be able to go chase that stuff because it was something that they were personally interested in. And it was something that they were excited to represent for the company, just as Finn was excited to represent comics for the company. And just like we've been excited to represent um, environmental short films. Um, so in, in a way, we all kind of spread uh, in our own different directions and found the things that meant things to us. Um, whereas beforehand, we were very much like we it was a kind of two track thing where it would be, here's the work we want to do. Oh, no, we can't find anybody to pay us. We'll go do all the work we don't want to do. And then we jump between the two sporadically. And we very much still, um, you know, 
do work no, there's no such thing as work we don't want to do but like yeah. our not ideal kind of uh clients and stuff like that but very much now being able to spread outwards uh has given us a chance to chase the things that matters to us and not just the things that matter to us but the things we know about so for instance we've done quite a few D related films amy one at the team she really likes her anime and she's very much into Dungeons and Dragons. So we've done quite a few Dungeons and Dragons related things because it's easy to talk about. So it's just like the same logic with the pitching. It's easy to talk about something you enjoy, something you're passionate about, something you want to do. And why not be able to make money out of that? Um, yeah, I absolutely love this idea because like when you think of a studio, you think of like, you know, business development and that person is just bringing in whatever they can based on, you know, the skill set of and technology of the team. But you're saying that you've created this kind of like co-working evolution hive. Is that what I called it? Hive evolution? Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where everybody's like reaching out to stuff that specifically interests them and bringing them in because everybody can speak to a different world. Like, you know, you, you have the one person talking about D&D, you have another person talking to DJs. And then when they bring that into the group, you all work on these like really cool projects where somebody heads that up and is super excited about it. That is so interesting to me um, because like something that I've kind of struggled thinking about is like at some point I want to studio myself, but I haven't figured out like exact business model where I'm still working on stuff that I really like while also bringing in a steady stream of things for other people to work on that I may not like, but joining other creative people where everybody's bringing in something that they're passionate about and then sharing the workload as a business sounds so interesting. I, I almost think that you probably won't grow if you keep this business model. It doesn't make sense to grow to a team of 30 people unless you stay as like a team of like just art directors that hire free like animators to execute your stuff. Yes. Um, so, okay. So, uh, I think it's also interesting the evolution you've been through where you're like trying to get these big whale clients and then not and then working on stuff you didn't want to work through. And it's been two years of a process to reach this point that it sounds like you've just kind of recently uh, leaned into. Are you are all of you completely full time in this animation studio now or do you also still have part time jobs somewhere else? So on a on a technical level, we're still we're all full time uh two of them work part-time jobs but only for the benefits of those part-time jobs like uh one of the girls she, she you mean extra her. money <laughs> yeah no, no no not necessarily extra money even anymore but um one of the girls she works at like a local music venue and she gets all the gigs there for free oh so, i like, see i see um but yeah i i guess uh perhaps um on a yeah who knows i mean that's up to them really but uh i make myself and, and finn we make enough to support ourselves uh with a well that's it that's in, that's incredible congratulations you know it Thank took two years of uh quite the ups and downs i know but um do you how do you feel right in this moment with you know where you've where you've come from from discovering animation to you know, going through schooling, deciding to make this a business and now like sitting in your own place, talking on a podcast about your experience and and being full time as an animator at your own studio. It, it, well, it's it's um, it's fantastic. I, 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 I think that sometimes you can get a little wrapped up in the objective like I want something to be better and I think perhaps two years ago I was talking a lot on the podcast about where we were going to be 
uh, what we were going to do. And obviously, you know, pitching stuff is all about what you want to do. But um, these days, I think it's perhaps, for me at least personally, more about the enjoyment of what you're doing. And, you know, not that work has to be like, ear to ear beaming enjoyment because it's work and it's the industry but I do enjoy it and I do like working for it and I enjoy the challenge and running a company has always been a dream of mine and I very much kind of saw it through you know in terms of stuff like this people on you know podcasts or you know not even animation related I listen to like you know people talk about business or business books or stuff like that people talk about like plans and you write a big plan and the plan is well researched and you execute that plan over a five ten year period but i don't think that's quite the reality of life you know we didn't become a company that growed outwards for our own benefit because of some sort of plan that we'd come up with you you do it because it's the thing you do every single day and when you have enough power to influence the company you work for, it ends up shaping itself in whatever odd shape it takes. Because at the end of the day, we all see each other every day. We have done for the last six years. Um, and we are going to continue to work like this for a long period of time, uh, fingers crossed. Um, and it's not so much about going, well, if I just put up with it today, or if I just put up with it for the next five years, I'll make a, a decent, great living and I'll make loads of money. Or if I just keep doing this, I'll just, um, you know, be famous and have a, be a showrunner of something. It's about the process, I think. Um, it's about enjoying the process and enjoying the way and finding a way to shape your environment that you're currently in into a situation that you enjoy. And I enjoy it immensely. I enjoyed pitching without any sort of, you know, even without the feedback or without, if they never reached back out to me and said yes or no, that wouldn't really matter if I didn't enjoy it, if I didn't enjoy the act of it, whether that's animating or running a business or pitching or any of these things, then there's no point to any of it really. I know it's yeah. a bit philosophical for the animation industry podcast, but um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. And that is the most important thing beyond what I'm going to be or what I'm not going to be. It's about the act of doing it because this is it every day. So might as well enjoy it, right? So it feels it feels enjoyable. Yes, that was <laughs> is that, that a, a long answer to a short question. It feels enjoyable. Uh, yeah. Yes, it, I enjoy but, the challenge. Yeah, wow. Oh, my goodness. It's so interesting for me to like, you know, because I've sporadically checked into your website and your work over the years and just seeing when we've checked into. It's so interesting to me to see how much you've evolved just in two years. I think I think for most people starting out in the industry, when they first start, they experience most the most change. And then they reach a state where they're like happy and it's it's um, steady for a while and they kind of stay in that that good place. Do you feel like you've reached that good place where like, you know, you can keep operating like this for the next five, 10 years before you're going to be be yearning for another massive change? Or do you still feel that like you have a lot to to grow? Because like from my perspective, you know, you've gotten steady work, you've tapped into multiple markets, you have the, you know, you, you've, uh, you're able to get clients and you are now, you know, living on your own, supporting yourself through this thing that you did. So is this kind of like a steady, a steady place for you now? Hmm. I, I, I guess so. Um, I kind of, you, I'm going to like, 
if you spoke to me, not even in two years, if we spoke again in six months, I guarantee things would be yeah. different in their own way, not drastically. So, because I guess, you know, well, you know, you take time out of the equation and then, you know, two years is going to be bigger change than six months. But um, yeah, I, I think it does, it, it does just shift uh, naturally. It's like nature, I guess, you know, it's just kind of things move without you noticing. And then you think, well, people think every single day feels the same and then you look back and everything's changed yeah. um that's kind of the, the 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 mentality and even if we were a more traditional company um with a more traditional leadership structure um and you know when it comes to like stuff like money and business and stuff there is a kind of structure in place but um I, I still think that the company uh, and its values and our clients and how we work would just shift naturally because we always get better. We always get faster and we always find new ways to do the things we love in more interesting ways or find new ways to do more things we love more often. Um, yeah. So I don't know whether I can never say, I don't know if in life I'll ever be able to say I'm on the straight and narrow and this is it and we'll lock it in like this because I don't think that's how I operate, but perhaps it will just continue to shift until the end of time, really. Fair, fair, fair. Let me ask you this. Uh, it was a question I was meaning to ask you before when I was like, there's two questions. That, anyways, um, how are you getting new clients? Because uh, getting new, you said that most projects have been kind of one time except for some recurring things so when you personally are reaching out um in the like environmental or nonprofit space because you know other people are reaching out in the dj world whatever how are you connecting with people who have money that need animation work and what are you saying ah good question good question so um we recently did a, a business course as part of that our local council was offering. And it was interesting Ooh. to hear them talk about it because uh, they have all sorts of, um, sorry, um, they have lots of different businesses of different kinds, uh, you know, business to business, they sell products, they sell services, whatever. Um, Animation is interesting because you don't just, a long time ago we ran a project probably shortly after we spoke to you on the podcast we ran a project where um we got some money from the government and we put that money into marketing and we marketed on social media anybody basically anyone want any animation come to us basically um and we tried to we tried to target that marketing specifically to the right age group and and uh, demographic of the people that we thought would be running the companies that we would want to work with. But knowing what we know now, that's all wrong, basically. That is all completely wrong. People do not just wake up one day and want animation because you're looking at stuff that's like going to cost, you know, five, ten thousand pounds. People don't just do that on a whim. You cannot be convinced to do that. You know, uh, that's why, you know, car dealerships don't try and advertise to random people oh do you want to buy a car because people don't just wake up and decide they want to buy a car they come to the dealership to buy the car um and you know a car dealership is easy you can put it on the side of a street um but for us we're digital we don't have a well we do have a home office but we don't have like a storefront and people wouldn't just walk into the store to say hello what what do you offer um it's about getting yourself in as many places as possible and SEO is a big one for us and trying to work out how we can best spread across the internet. Um, and I try and write as many blog posts as I physically can and try and 
you know collaborate with people or write on LinkedIn or anything like that but in other terms you want to find the people that are asking people ask for animation people say I want to make an animation because 99% of the population don't generally want an animation every other week they're going to ask once and they're going to probably ask online because they don't know who else to ask because it's not exactly a word of mouth type thing so then you've got this kind of this person there's you know one in a you know one a day out of everybody that potentially is in the right place of the world doing this right type of animation as us that wants something we can do and you've got to find them how do you find them on the internet because it's a ridiculously big place well it turns out most people are not lazy but lazy and they'll just use social media they'll just use their general social media that they want Facebook is a lot of it. People will just say on Facebook, I would like to make an animation. I need to know someone that does that. Reddit is another one for me. I'm all over Reddit, uh, finding people. Um, and it, it's not necessarily about advertising. It's about finding. That's that's but, the way I described it. So somebody on, on Reddit is just like, I need an animation yes. done. Is there a specific subreddit that's been successful for you that you found this? Or you're just typing in the search bar, like, I need animation, I just, and whatever comes just, up, you reach out to those people. I just do, like, a ridiculous amount of keyword search, and most of it is completely diminishing returns. But, uh, you know, in terms of finding that one, it's fine. Obviously, I would think that perhaps if there's a listener who is from a more established company, they're probably going, what the hell, that's insane strategy. <laughs> but, um in terms of somebody that perhaps has worked in the industry for 20 years and knows the guy at Sony and knows the guy at Reebok and knows the guy from, you know, this restaurant chain or whatever, it's easier to say, got any animation, got any animation, or it's easier for somebody who has perhaps worked at 10 companies in 30 years to be able to reach out to the previous companies they work for and say, oh, well, you know, what have you got have you got any work yeah. do you have any things and then you make connections that way so how did you get your last big project then like was it through reddit was it through facebook uh, behance which is exactly the same deal because people want it they post online that they are looking for people to find that we had the portfolio that matched um that that really is it it's like dating almost you're not about being the first in line it's just about being the right match i guess um, wow. because you know we don't do 3d we don't do stop motion so that already cuts out two of the three types of animation we don't do you know there's already half of the companies of the world probably already have a go-to connection that they're gonna 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 speak to um another popular part of the population are already going to be localized to a specific country so they're going to want to go within their country it's just about narrowing those fields down until you find the people that you yeah. find and previously we used to put in a real hard graft to win somebody over. But these days we just kind of let the portfolio and the show reel speak for itself. Um, if somebody's style matches the style that we have, then that's all it's gonna take. And any extra convincing is either gonna be a, a discredit to us um, or it's just gonna come across as desperate really. So these days it's just, we push our push our CV across the table and we say, there you go, take a look, come back to us if you like it. And yeah, that, that does make a ton of sense with your portfolio. Um, 
This is super interesting to me. It also seems crazy, but it it's um <laughs> I guess it makes sense because you're doing a very specific 2D kind of smaller scale. When I say small scale, you're not taking on like huge, you know, advertising or TV or you're doing small yeah. scale 2D animation with a tight knit group of people. That type of animation is perfect for people who have uh, who don't have connections and are looking to make kind of like you said, like Kickstarters or like D&D related or like uh, comic related. So it almost you kind of have to keep searching for those people because they don't know where to look and you have a hard time finding them. Gosh, wow. That's that's what an interesting niche. Did you ever envision yourself going into this niche? Because, you know, I've talked to other studios and their startup years were making a connection with every agency in town and in the in the country, basically, so that, you know, they're on the roster of lists that can do this, making big scale connections, working with, you know, artists that have a lot of following and putting them on their their list of directors to work with. But you're mm -hmm. like, um, this is so specific and interesting, <laughs> but it makes sense on how you're operating as well, because you only want to take on cool projects. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, just maybe what do you, how, I don't even know what to ask. <laughs> Did I, I probably asked five things in that, in that spiel. It's um, yeah, I, I, I guess um, with a, a little perspective, I guess it is different. I mean, obviously because I've never worked at another animation company, I've done some internships at some games design companies, but that was it really. Um, it, this is the way we work. And because there was nobody else to, say otherwise that's fine obviously <laughs> nobody fine, told you this doesn't work so you're like whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's working basically it's kind of a war of attrition really you just kind of do what you, you you keep trying new things until you find a system that works and uh the the good thing about having a system that works that perhaps isn't quite the same as everybody else's is there's not too many competitors within that system obviously yeah. if time goes on and we're able to oh. pay enough that we can regularly go on creative tender sites and just and just pitch for stuff on tenders or we can just work with agencies obviously we're not going to say no to that if we can if we can maintain the same kind of nice balance we've had before with um you know with, with creative work and the stuff we enjoy and the stuff we really want to do and varied art styles then that's fine by us um you know whatever makes it work we'll find the easiest way possible but yeah. if that doesn't end up happening we never work with agencies and we never do stuff i can see a future where in three four years time we have a regular string of clients and we don't have to look anymore because we found them all we kept the 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 relationships going endlessly in a kind of empathetic and honest way and we just managed to we have a pool of clients of the things that we enjoy the most and that, that that's also a success for us really yeah i'm still kind of shocked at this strategy <laughs> so like for instance i'm part of a bunch of facebook groups like amateur animators professional animators whatever and quite often people will say uh, you know, I have a need, just do a post. It'll just be a text post. Yeah. Like I'm looking for an animator to make a five minute uh, short, short for my music video or uh, for my wedding or something. And in the comments there, there are always like 15 comments from like random animators from around the world who like, uh, you know, <laughs> they're very new to animating as well. And I always think like this person asking this question, they don't know anything about 
animation or what it's going to cost. So like, why even bother getting in touch with them? But you are saying that if you get in touch with these people, they have understanding and money. And are these the type of people you're getting in touch with? Um, on, on, uh, and, and I'm in all those groups too. Um, the... <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to open the comments and see if you're, you're commenting. I'm always there. I'm always there. Um, in, if it if it comes down to um, understanding, usually if you are blind applying for something, be as upfront and as quick as possible with how much it's going to cost and the expectations of time. That is beforehand. We used to kind of play this kind of cat and mouse game where we try and oh yeah. you know the, the joke of what's your budget, what's your what you know what what's what's the quote um, and it would kind of be back and forth, back and forth. We'd waste a bunch of time. These oh, days, yeah. um, we do find a lot of work from from blind applications because, um, you know, they, there is the risk. Well, there's not even a risk. There is the uh, high chance that they're going to be somebody that knows nothing about animation, doesn't have the budget for animation, doesn't understand how much it costs, doesn't understand how much time it takes. Um, but if not, then there is a blank slate there of somebody who has the funds potentially and who has the means um and is has no prior connections made to another there's no yeah like, yeah, yeah okay interesting i mean um, that does that does make sense and if you're just super upfront, like you know everyone's no i just got an email this week actually from somebody saying can you make a five minute stop motion for my wedding and i was just upfront with her i was like well five minutes is a, like what's your budget and she's like tell me what the budget is so i just like I just listed out, I was like, well, it can cost you anywhere from 5,000 to a hundred thousand, depending on like what you want, you know, characters, all this stuff. And then she just never responded. So like that to me is a case of somebody being like, oh, what's it like? Cause people have asked me, can you make this music video for 50 bucks? And it's like a four minute music video. And they want like, they want like Disney style, like, like what are you doing? No. But then there are the people that, you know, you do have a conversation with and they do have the means in production. They understand. So that, make, that makes a lot of sense. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely found um, for a while, and this is a whole new point, but um, at the end of last year, start of this year, we were getting significant interest in us as a company um, to do NFT projects. And that uh-huh. was an, that was a whole different thing um, because we are perfect for that. We're perfect for NFT trailer type things because we make original animations with original characters. Um, we tend to not do stuff for like super duper corporate brands um, and we do hand-drawn 2D. So lots of people suddenly went, my NFT project is the best thing in the world um and i want to you know uh, cutting networks going to finance it and it's going to become a tv series and we had loads of people throwing loads and loads and loads of money at us for to do that and we said no to most of that wow um, yeah um because well for a, a bunch of reasons i had written a blog post at the end of 2021 of my predictions for the animation industry in the next year and one of them was that the nft market would completely implode by the end of the year this year which it has mostly (laughs) um um, but that was a difficult thing for us to work out because it's like there's all these people who are waving money in our faces to make stuff um and then we had to work out how we were gonna navigate that especially at the time when it was connected with really bad 
kind of reputation for how bad it was for the environment and we've been yeah. working with all these environmental agencies or like these nature organizations and then to simultaneously be able to do a you know save the hedgehogs film and then an nft project was uh that makes yeah I, my question was why not just take the money and be like whatever if it implodes but it goes against your core competencies of what you're looking for <laughs> It goes, it goes against our yeah it goes against our morals i guess that that was the that was the idea yeah. we did do a couple of like nft adjacent things basically a lot of people tried to pay us i'm sure a lot of small animation studios this year experienced the same which is a lot of people trying to pay us in bitcoin or ethereum or stuff like that yeah. it was like don't do that and we're not going to do that for you because people you know it's it's an art selling world it's and you know it's if I was going to sell art, there's no point commissioning an artist to sell it. We might as well have sold our own. Um, right. It was like a whole thing. Like it's like very weird, transparent uh, exchange of of money because you know that the person is about to take what you've made for them and value it higher. Otherwise, yeah. they wouldn't have paid for it. Um, so that was a whole thing. I can't remember how I even got onto that, but um, yeah, yeah that was very much we were suddenly we had been looking and looking we always do a big search for all this stuff and it gets easier and easier every day because we have more and more clients stick around and more people come to us naturally and then suddenly all these nft people came up to us and we had the opportunity to really boost ourselves and we said no um but i'm glad we did i think uh, had we followed that path uh you know the path of least resistance i don't think it would have necessarily taken us to a better reality today i don't think i would be speaking to you from a bigger house and fancier clothes and stuff like that just because we've done something else at the start of the year wow what a that's super interesting um maybe maybe as we're kind of you know i know we've been chatting a while i don't want to take up your whole day but maybe as we're wrapping up let me ask you this you know uh two years in going through all these ups and downs figuring out you know what is the heart of your business and even just talking about morals and and the team um and growing your team you know what is something that you wish you did differently during all this and what is something you're so happy you did the same the same you're so happy you did not the mm. same i don't know if you were to do it over again what would you do the same what would you do different yes classic classic interview question it is a classic interview question isn't it? um the same is um our i i think there was a period of time where we could have said hey let's unify and just work as one art style and just commit to that for good um and i'm glad that we didn't i'm glad yeah. that we stuck to lots of different ones in terms of what we would do different i mean my joke answer would probably be don't all live together but that was only, a, <laughs> was only i mean is that a joke or is that a not a no, joke? No, uh, only it was only really a problem because of the end of the world i guess um yeah. but uh yeah in terms of oh god um what i would do different is perhaps two years ago other than this podcast that i'd done two years ago we very very much wanted to hide that we were young and that we were uh perhaps unprofessional because we just started we wanted to present ourselves as professionally as possible and therefore we i think presented ourselves in a more boring way than perhaps what we could have been um, yeah. and these days 
because we have spread out so far and because we all represent the company as people and we're people first and clients really like that we are people first rather than some sort of faceless corporate corporation um i think that we benefit from that now and i think perhaps if i'd done it again we wouldn't have been so afraid of being young and being new because i think being afraid was worse than being either of those things i think that's super interesting you know um I've received the exact opposite advice as like even some people, they even like change, they create an email and like fake have a receptionist that's just them with a different name that passes on the projects to the director who's them because they want to appear so prestigious and like um, whatever. So yeah, that's, I love that you're just, you're like, hey, we're just ourselves and we're just doing cool art and we're trying to make it as a business. And we yep. take on projects that we like and we talk to the worlds we like. And it seems very much against all the traditionally run <laughs> studios, yeah. yes. but it makes sense for you guys, like that's, with that's your morals idea. and also like with just doing stuff you want to do and enjoying the process. I mean, if you're if you're having to like fake who you are, then that's part of unless you really enjoy, you know, being <laughs> with the ego that comes with that I guess like I don't know this is this is a really I'm really happy we chatted this is a really cool space that you're in and I'm glad that you're reaching a level of stability and you also got that government grant to hire two new people and you're doing this cool stuff yeah so. I, I I definitely think with um being what was I going to say with being um professional or being what well, us being unprofessional quote-unquote as our kind of business mentality it comes back to one thing really we were told by a business advisor who's very good um a couple of years ago when we well three years ago when we started the company in november of 2019 or whatever um he said to us you're not animators anymore you are designers because it's more professional um and you need to be known for your design skills not for your art skills because art is an unprofessional word and i, I understand the logic in that entirely yeah. but these days we flip the switch um, we are storytellers and artists first and being able to sell something subjective like story or like art um, we we often say to people they have a message they want to tell whether that's an advert short story music video and we have the storytelling skills to bring it to life and I think to convince somebody they have we have storytelling skills is often a, a harder job than uh, design skills because for a design website, you can just have all the logos of the biggest companies you've worked for right at the top and say, this is who we've designed for. They make lots of money. So therefore you'll make lots of money. But when we're not so much focused on design, but story, it's really come down to how we present ourselves as people, how we present ourselves as a company and how we present our company culture that comes down to saying this subjective word that gets used so often in society storytelling is what we are the best at because we are the best at it and that is the skill set we have above design above marketing whatever it's to be able to turn somebody's message idea whatever into a good story yeah. um and that is really comes down to it you could boil down every single uh thing i've said today and kind of put that that phrase on top of it and it would work because you know it's why we work work the way we work it's why we present ourselves the way we present it's why i pitch the stories that i do and why i pitch them the way i do it really comes down to being storytellers first and foremost and i think that's something we'll continue to do whatever shape the company takes in years to, to come that's the 
the angle will push for for years to come. Great. It's so exciting and satisfying to hear you talk about this with such confidence. Like, whereas in the start, you were really trying to figure out who you are. And just two years later and bringing yourselves through the ringer, you're clearly on a path of who you are. And now it's just getting work to fit in that space. Um, You know, as we're wrapping up, is there anything else you wanted to share for those listening who may have or may not have heard the first episode or may or may not know who you are or (laughs) anything else no not really just check out the website really i've been keeping a pretty strong uh story there it is again story um (laughs) of of who we are and what we've been up to whether that's the work we do or what we've personally been up to on our blog i'm pretty proud of it it's not you know you could scroll through and get a good idea you don't even have what we've been up to and what we've been doing and who we've been speaking to and uh i think that really follows things i'm going to be i'm going to be taking that the kind of goings on of the company and really really push that next year into some short form videos that i'll be sharing of not just what we make but how we do it what we are who how we operate and our kind of mentality morals all of that stuff into a kind of short form video series that's my kind of big objective next year so hopefully if everything goes correctly you shouldn't have to look it will come to you nice that sounds great that sounds uh really i i like that a lot i just i'm <laughs> just reflecting back that i like that that's great um well thank you liams thank you so much for coming on again i'm glad we reconnected and it's again it's super interesting for me to hear where you've you've come from and where you're going and where you are now so it's yeah. been a pleasure Awesome. Thank you. It's been good to be on the podcast and I'll, I'll be back again in two years. <laughs> yeah, we'll check in every two years. If I'm still even running this podcast in two years, yeah. what the heck? I'll be great. <laughs> Maybe I'll have I a have... team running it for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, well, thank you so much. And if you're listening and you want to check out, uh, you know, Cut the Mustard and Liam's work and, and look out for that video series and check out the blog, you can do so by checking out cutthemustardanimation.com and I'll include a link to that in the description of this chat. And that's all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.